Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Good morning. It is time for the NBA Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com to get you ready for today's NBA slate. Adam, as always, man, great to do a show with you here. Uh, your, your Twitter timeline was definitely giving me some comedy last night <laughs> going through what that slate was last night. Uh, man, it was uh, that was an interesting slate. I just NBA this year, I just don't know what to expect anymore. Like going into it, I would I was convinced Celtics would blow out the Pistons. Never saw them losing that game. I mean, just and then the Spurs giving the Lakers a run for their money. Yeah, it, it's been just a really weird season. Obviously, you've had a ton of blowouts, but then also already some just kind of weird games where, with all the other blowouts happening, you feel pretty confident. For example, that like the Bucks are going to blow out the Knicks, and then the Knicks blow them out. Um, there was certainly, you know, like you said, blowout risk in that uh, Boston Detroit game last night, and then Detroit just basically dominates the entire game. So it it's it's tough. I mean, it, it's obviously unpredictable. I think it does go back to the point that it's something that I think all of us talk about. Like, there's a difference between a game having blowout risk and you actually being able to predict when and how it's going to blow out, and even in, in what team's favor. So um, I think one thing that I've done recent or i started doing more of this year because of the blowouts is like in fantasy cruncher just doing stuff to kind of create mini game stacks like if i have main pieces from boston for example um bump up the main pieces on detroit just try and uh, i'm trying a little bit more this year than i have in the past to group guys together from the same game just because it seems like there's so many there, there's so few games that end up actually being competitive this year yeah, I mean, the one game last night that I kind of, you, know, you talk about stacking, it, it was that Hawks-Brooklyn game because Brooklyn can't play defense, plain and simple. They can't play defense. Um, and, and of course, Atlanta's a high-scoring team in the league. So they're, they're, that's like anytime Brooklyn's on a slate, I'm looking at whoever they're playing. Yeah, Brooklyn, Washington, uh, Atlanta will be up there. Minnesota's up there. Obviously, we had all four. They were playing each other last night. But yeah, watching that Atlanta-Brooklyn game, I, I tweeted about it being at the pace of an all-star game. And like, I wasn't even being hyperbolic. Like, that's that was my first thought watching that game where someone grabs a rebound, they throw an outlet past the half court, and then there's an immediate three-point shot and they run the other direction. Like, it, it just felt like watching an all-star game. Yeah, it's like we'll talk about it a little later uh, when we talk about the Pelicans. The Pelicans are going to let you shoot three-pointers. When you watch them defensively, they're basically saying, we're not going to let you dunk and lay up on us. You're going to have to hit jumpers. So that's something we'll talk about here later on, of course. Uh, Five-game main slate tonight. We have six games overall. So we'll talk about this main slate here, of course. Uh, 
be sure to smash that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 50,000 followers. And of course, hit that notification bell. So you know when a new show is live on the channel coming up today, right after us will be the NFL Strategy Show. Then at 1.30 p.m. each time, it's on the contrary. And then at 6 p.m., it'll be live before lock for tonight's NBA slate. Uh, Sacramento-Houston is not on the main slate. There is a FanDuel slate, uh, the all-day slate. There's not really anything contest-wise with that. Uh, I watched these two teams play the other day. It was a fun game to watch up and down. Um, you know, we were talking right before the show. I was really interested to see what John Wall and Westbrook Harden together would look like. And John Wall looked like the old John Wall. Yeah, and we saw that in the preseason that he looked good. And, you know, obviously he played big minutes for the preseason, but it was, you know, interesting to see what he would look like in his first regular season game, especially because he kind of, you broke the momentum with him having to sit out the first couple of games with COVID protocols. But he came out, he played 36 and a half minutes, which I think was more than anybody expected. He looked really good, was getting up and down the floor, um, was missing jump shots as, as usual, but that's not really anything that, that's new for him. But still getting to the rim, still, you know, playing big minutes. I think that he's someone that that we can fully trust in DFS and treat the same way that we would normally treat John Wall. Yeah, just from a basketball side, it was just nice seeing him and Fox just go up and down the court yeah. to the fastest players in the league going back and forth. Uh, we mentioned about Hal Burton's got the injury, so we'll kind of see how that affects the rotation. He was a guy that he's just finding wide open threes in, in the corner, so something to pay attention to there. But um, but really, as we mentioned, not much on, on FanDuel in terms of that that uh, that game. So let's move on to the main slate. Uh, we're going to kick off with the Knicks and the Pacers. Uh, you know, let's start off on the New York side of this one. Uh, obviously, Julius Randle, by far the most expensive on the slate here in terms of, of the Knicks, 9,100 on DK, uh, 8,000 on FanDuel. Yeah, and I think, you know, deservedly so. This is another tough matchup for Randall. So it, it kind of comes at a tough time where the salary is coming up and then he has to face the Pacers. You know, last game he had to face Toronto and was relatively disappointing there. But at least from an upside standpoint, I think the the price is justified. Um, he's playing huge minutes for Thibodeau, as I think we expected. But you're really seeing him put it all together this year where, you know, in the past you've seen that he's capable of being a high assist guy especially for a, for a Ford he's he rebounds well he scores well but this year he's getting a lot more assist opportunities I think in part because the Knicks have no actual good point guards and it, it's just kind of all coming together for him so I think it's going to be tough to feel good about paying 9100 for him against the Pacers but at the same time you know if, if you're able to fit him in the lineups I don't think that he's too expensive it really just comes down to you know how easy is he to get into lineups if this were a better matchup I would still say prioritize him at 9100 now it's more so like you know if you land there you land there but um he, he is you know getting into that price range where there's a lot of competition around him um including on the other side of this game yeah I mean one of the comments we already had right there on YouTube is is this, is this price getting a lot of control but on FanDuel 8000 that's a little more doable for me yeah and really the price to me you see it a lot, you know, especially early in the season when guys are playing better than normal or or not as well as normal. You kind of want to look at underlying opportunity stats and try and as best you can figure out if you expect what they're doing to continue. And that's why, you know, I think the potential assists that we've seen from Randall are important. You know, it's not the most important stat in general, but when you're talking about someone like Randall, it does come down to are the Knicks just converting at a really high rate and that's why his assist numbers are so high or is he 
just getting tons of them and he's getting tons of them. So I think the price point on DraftKings now, there's at least a lot of risk there because he has to actually have a, a good game. Whereas on FanDuel, he's still priced to where like his median game is good for his salary. So there is a, a price discrepancy there. Um, but again, even on, on DraftKings, I wouldn't say the price is getting out of control. It's just that he's priced like where he should be now. In terms of everything else, Nick Wise on here. So on the DraftKings side of the game, we've got RJ Barrett, 6,500. Alfred Payton, 6,100. It's just tough for me to trust Alfred Payton. I just never know what, what you're going to get from him. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, you know, 5,400. Uh, so what, what sticks out to you in from the Knicks side outside of Randall? So we're still waiting on some Knicks news. We have Emmanuel Quickly questionable and Alec Burks questionable. They, they both missed the last game. If they're both out, Peyton still has some appeal. Um, it is worth noting that he only played 23 minutes against the Raptors. And the the reason I think that's important is Alfred Peyton is a, a pretty good producer on a, a per minute basis, but he has a tendency, no matter what coaching staff or what team he's playing on, of getting benched mid game because he doesn't shoot well and tends to just not play particularly well. But when he does play well, he triple doubles and like breaks the slate open um, with, we had seen two games ago that he played like 35 minutes with Burks out and with quickly out with rivers back last game. You know, again, we saw that the Knicks had other options they could go to uh, rivers played 21 minutes in that game. You also had Theo Pinson um, pick up a few minutes at the end, but that was pretty much garbage run, but um, rivers being back, I think made the difference there. So Peyton still has a, a nice ceiling, but you know, especially if those two guys are out quickly and Burks, but there is, it is a tough matchup and there is still risk of him, you know, not getting 30 plus minutes again. The rest of this Knicks team, I think is pretty, uh, pretty difficult to trust just because the matchup is tough. Most of these players aren't very good. Barrett's playing big minutes, but his salary is not the most appealing. I think 6,500 on DraftKings for a five game slate is okay. I don't mind going to Mitchell Robinson at 5,400. He's not been as productive on a per minute basis this year as he normally is, but he's also playing more minutes than normal. So I don't really know what to make of it, but I do think that he at least still has tournament upside because we've seen in the past that he's greater than a fantasy point per minute player. And now Thibodeau is giving him the chance to play 30 plus minutes. The rebounding numbers are down. The numbers in general are down, but in any given game, uh, he's still getting the opportunity to, to do well. And he's been relatively low on lately. So um, again, not a priority for me, but I think that Randall Robinson, Randall's the the top guy here, and then Robinson, Barrett, and Peyton all have you know some appeal, although they're certainly risky. Yeah, you know, speaking of the injury side of it, that's part of the Pacers. TJ Warren is going to be out until at least next month for that foot injury. Uh, you know, obviously Sabonis is a guy we're going to look at ninety four hundred on DK and Fanduel, same exact pricing there. Um, you know, Doug McDermott forty nine hundred is someone that kind of sticks out to me just from a value play in terms of, of you know getting twenty plus minutes. Um, you know, as you look at this Pacers outside of Sabonis, because obviously he's a guy you're always going to look at, what sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, so Sabonis, you know, does stand out. I'm not concerned about that salary at all. He's getting backup center minutes, which is really valuable for him as well. One thing that was interesting from the last game when, when Warren sat is you saw the most minutes this year for Miles Turner. And that's it's a player that's always been kind of volatile as far as his playing time. But I think it makes sense that he potentially could see a little bit more time, more playing time with um, with Warren out because you get more Sabonis at the four and then it lets Turner stay on the floor a little bit more. So um, mild interest there, but his price tag did already come up on DraftKings. You had Aaron Holiday join the starting lineup, um, only played 22 minutes. He did deal with some foul trouble, it looks like, in the first half. Um, no, actually, he just 
didn't play much and he just didn't close the second quarter. Uh, so it, it's still really tough to, to trust him. I think Brogdon should get a little bit more usage without Warren Oladipo, the same thing. Um, Oladipo's price came up a little bit. I, I think it's mostly Sabonis and Brogdon are the two that I feel mm-hmm. good about from the Pacers. And then, you know, in tournaments, if you're taking shots on Oladipo or, or Miles Turner, I have no problem with that either. Uh, Jay Brooks, appreciate you uh, in the super chat. If you have any questions, just let us know, but really do appreciate you. Yeah, chiming in here for the NBA strategy show. Um, in, in terms of like, you know, Victor Oladipo is a guy that I just, I don't know if I trust him. Yeah, he's he's kind of tough because we know what he was before his injury. And then he had, you know, one of the worst injuries in sports where, you know, you've seen some, you've seen a, it seems like you've seen a greater rate of guys come back from Achilles injuries and do well looking at John Wall, looking at Kevin Durant um, recently than in the past, but it's still a very significant injury. And you saw Oladipo really struggle basically all of the last season compared to what he had done before. So far this year, he's at, he's been good. He's averaged 1.27 DraftKings points per minute. He has a 24% usage rate, 22% assist percentage. I'm cautiously optimistic that Oladipo's back to to full health and you know that he can do well the salary is relatively expensive but um I I do you know like I said I I don't completely trust him because we we did see him drop off after his injury but you know maybe it just takes two years to get back and and now we're there yeah that's gonna be he's just one of those guys I mean price points I I like where he's at there now and you know this is gonna be one of the games I'm gonna watch a little bit tonight just kind of see what do the Pacers look like with no TJ Warren in the lineup even though T, uh, bubble TJ Warren has not show did not show yeah. up this year, so uh, I think we were all kind of disappointed in that one. But uh, this is the NBA Strategy Show. We're getting you ready for tonight's five game NBA slate. Of course, do want to let you know about the great promo we got going on right now over at Osmo.com, where you can get twenty one days of Osmo Plus for only twenty dollars. We use the promo code twenty twenty one at checkout. It's a tremendous deal. You got to take advantage. It's now. Get you access to all the premium tools and contents we have over Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, and so much more. And if you want to make a longer-term commitment, you can get 20% off a Osmo Plus yearly platinum pass. We use a promo code HAPPY. It's the only discount on a yearly pass all year, so you got to take advantage of it now. That is promo code HAPPY. There you see all the stuff there on the screen right now. Jordan's got it up there. Let's move on to the next game. It is the Thunder and the Magic, OKC, and Orlando, they play back on Tuesday. I watched this game a little bit because I, I wanted to see kind of what Shea looked like running the point with the new coaching staff there, and obviously no more Chris Paul. Um, you know, he he's still looking for that jumper. He likes that top-of-the-key jumper. Magic, uh, in that game, mentioned uh, Vucha. He had 28 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, 18 points. He was 9 of 10 from the field. In that game, eight rebounds over on the OKC side. The the star that really stood out to you was Roby, who had 19 points and seven rebounds in that game. What's, what's your take on this one? Yeah, so, um, you know, or sorry, Oklahoma City back back to full strength now after resting um, Hill and Horford the last time these two teams played. Uh, so you get Horford back, you get Hill back. Uh, they, they both played against the Pels on, what, Thursday. Um, had to think about what today was, but it, it's still just, <laughs> basically the SGA show for me when you look at, at the uh, Pelicans they're sorry at the Thunder. Um, he's still cheap. His salary actually came down on DraftKings to 7,900. Uh, he's averaged about 1.2 DraftKings points per minute this year. And last year when he played without Paul Gallinari or uh, Dennis Schroeder. So you've seen pretty consistent, 
per minute production there. You've seen the usage rate around 30%, the assist percentage around 30% as well. He's had some disappointing games, and that's something that I think you will see throughout the course of the season just because he's on a bad team. He's kind of the only offensive option that that – um, opposing defenses have to worry about and he's still a young player himself so you're just going to deal with some inconsistency there but the important thing is I think that's factored into the price too like if you were just getting nothing but good Shea Gilgis Alexander games this guy would be $9,500 um, yeah. the reason he's around AK is because you're going to get some bad ones mixed in it's certainly a tough matchup against Orlando but he projects I think is a really good value here um, if, if you are you know kind of concerned about the matchup or the ownership typically the best way to approach players like this I think that are underpriced but also mm-hmm. like upper mid-range players is you know roster them if you're playing cash games because they are one of the best projected plays on the slate but they are a little bit easier to get away from in tournaments if you're looking to go that route because even though they they are still good tournament plays because they're under projected there's just always going to be more options around these guys that you can go to that have a similar range of outcomes you know even just from guys we've talked about you have malcolm brogdon for 500 less um sga projects a little bit better at that price point but there's no reason that brogdon can't outscore him today so um it's typically a spot where if i am scared off by by ownership or the matchup it's just you know you can look to get away in tournaments but i'd still be going to them in cash games yeah i like al horford on both platforms 6100 on dk 5400 over on FanDuel. you look at he's played in, in three games so far this year the first game was an awful game for him shot one for five and i remember at that first game i thought it was like if he's only going to shoot the ball five times i don't see a ton of value but once he, he started you know putting up some shots uh second game he was four for ten three for seven from three-point range uh, then his last game, uh, you know, he was three for uh, seven for nine, three for five from three pointers. He's a guy that I mean, look, it's it's very clear what he's playing for. He's playing for his next team of what championship contender is going to build him. So to me, he's a guy at that price point. I, I like that price point. But you kind of mentioned with with the Thunder, it's about SGA. But then it's like, okay, who else is going to step up? Is Isaiah Roby going to step up? Uh, is it Lou Dort's going to step up? Is it Darius Baisley? That, that to me is where the Thunder become kind of, you know, a way of like you're just kind of throwing darts on who is going to be the guy that steps up this game. Yeah, exactly. And it makes those secondary guys, all players that if they're going to be low owned in tournaments, you can kind of just mix into some lineups as like last guy in type things because none of them are going to project particularly well for their price points. But there's going to be a second scorer in every game that they play, assuming the game's competitive. It's just a matter of figuring out who it is. You're getting around 30 minutes a game for Horford. He's someone who, you know, I've pointed out a couple times already this year. He averaged over a fantasy point per minute last year when he played without Joel Embiid. So I think that all the talk about him being washed and being a useless DFS player uh, was a little bit overblown. He, he didn't play well again alongside Embiid, but that's obviously not the case this year. So I still think that, you know, he'll be a, a one plus fantasy point per minute guy. It's just, you know, that, if he plays at his average level, that still doesn't really get you there in 30 minutes at $6,100, but he'll still have opportunities and he'll have games where he plays above average. The same really goes for Darius Baisley, who um, is about a 0.78 DraftKings point per minute guy, but he's also young, he's improving, and he'll get more opportunities this year than he's gotten in the past. He's second on the team in rebound chances behind Horford. He typically will play 33 minutes in competitive games. He's not going to consistently have good games. He's not that good, but he's going to get opportunities on this team. Same goes for George Hill, who has a 21% usage rate this year and has actually averaged over a fantasy point per minute. Um, you're, you're getting fewer minutes for him than for any of these other starters, but he's also cheap. And again, it's, it's not someone I trust. I, I don't, I'm not going to feel good about any lineup that has George Hill, but he's going to get opportunities here. So, um, and the same goes for Dort. So really any of those other starters outside of SGA, they're just secondary guys where, 
Um, they're, they're going to get opportunities. On average, they're going to just be pretty mediocre. But, you know, any given game, they're going to have the chance to do well. On the other side of the equation with the Magic, obviously you're always looking at Vooch, 8,700 on DK, 8,400 over on FanDuel. Markel Fultz, he's kind of, you know, he he's Markel Fultz. He has these, these games where he looks, you know, great. I mean, he and we've seen, you know, especially the game against the Wizards earlier this year, uh, 26 points where he had back-to-back good games against the Wizards, but I guess you could probably say a lot of guys have good games against the Wizards. Uh, you know, you, you look at Evan Fournier, we'll, we'll see whether he plays or not here. Aaron Gordon, there's still kind of there's still a minutes restriction there based on the injury from last year. Michael Carter Williams is a guy that I think we're all kind of looking at as a potential value play. You know, it's one of these things with the magic rotation of especially at the point guard position and shooting guard position where Fultz, Cole Anthony, MCW, Dwayne Bacon. I mean, it's just it's and I'm a magic fan. It's just tough for me in DFS of outside of Vooch, who do I want to go with? Yeah, and then you also have so so we have Fournier questionable as you mentioned. We also have Terrence Ross probable for this game. He missed the last game. So uh, for anyone going back and looking at, at minutes last game and just you know assuming you're going to get a bunch of run again for Carter Williams or Cole Anthony or uh, you know Dwayne Bacon, you have to put Terrence Ross in the mix and give him like 28 minutes. And he's also going to soak up a ton of usage when he's out there. So it, it does change things even if Fournier is out. Um, but if Fournier is in, it basically takes the value away from Carter Williams and from Cole Anthony, especially because their salaries have come up as well. Vooch is the one spot where you can just feel really confident in this team. Um, In competitive games, you're typically going to get 32 to 34 minutes. He leads the team going back to last year in usage rate and rebounding percentage. He's the highest non-guard in assist percentage as well. He's kind of a, a, you know, similar to Jokic, just at lower rates where he does everything well when he's on the floor. He's, he's incredibly productive. The matchup here against OKC, I don't think should give him any uh, issues. So at his price point, I think he looks really good. Um, Beyond that, Fournier, if he's in um, at 5,300, not the most fun guy to roster, but should still get you like 0.8 to 0.9 fantasy points per minute. It's not the worst play at 5,300. It's certainly not the best play either. Um, Fultz usage this year is, is way up. He's at about 25, 26%. That's something to keep an eye on because, you know, he is a young player that has room to step up and, and be um, a higher usage option than we've seen in the past. So some interest there. Uh, but again, for me, Vooch is the priority. And then it's Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, if he's in and Fultz as secondary options here. Where does uh, Vooch rank for you in terms of center on Fandle? Um, let me pull up Fandle, see how the pricing looks there. I think, so you have Drummond, you have Embiid ahead of him, I think, and then Vooch. Yeah, I mean, so this there. is my thing about Drummond. That price is starting to get up there. Yeah, and it's the, the thing about Vooch on Fandle too is, like he's in the, uh, a different price tier than Drummond and Embiid. You know, would I rather get to either of, of them? Yes, but... I'm not going to be too upset if like the $1,600 from Drummond to Vooch gets me an upgrade at another position because Vooch still has 50 fantasy point upside. Yeah. I mean, this is just, you know, like T Ross, I mean, he's a guy that when he catches fire, he can, he can easily get you, you know, 25 plus points easy. It's just, it, it, he's one of those guys that you just never know. And Aaron Gordon, I, I can't trust him right now, especially with, with the minutes restriction. Yeah, the minutes are the the problem with Gordon. Um, He is down to 5,600 on DraftKings. So you're getting to a price point where we've seen him get to 30 minutes in a game this year. And if you get 30 minutes from him at 5,600, he's going to 
be a good play most likely. Um, and then there is always at least some percent chance that this is just the game where they're just like, Oh yeah, he's not on a minutes restriction anymore. <laughs> and you know, we find that out after he plays 35 minutes. So his price point is getting to where I'm interested, especially on a five game slate. Um, but, you know, keep in mind that so far, at least they are very clearly limiting his minutes and that yeah. there's a pretty good chance he plays 26 minutes and kind of is just a neutral play. You mentioned about it, B, the 76ers going to be taking on the Hornets. I, I know the Hornets must be like your favorite team based on your Twitter handle last night. <laughs> um, Gordon Hayward, uh, 7,200 uh, over on DK, 7,600 on FanDuel. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the one guy last night that I was looking at the Hornets was LaMelo Ball. And I just, me and Josh were talking about this yesterday. Like, he is like the ultimate boom-bust type player because he is going to have some games where, yeah, he's going to hit, you know, 7 of 12. But then there's going to be games where he goes like two of 11. And so you, you just, you like, you have to know that if you're going to put LaMelo Ball in your lineup. Yeah. And then you also have the playing time thing. Like we've seen him play 29 minutes, two games ago, benefited from some garbage time, but also played a bunch of first half minutes. Um, same thing last night, played 27 minutes. He was out there in garbage time. So that bumped the total, but he also was playing, you know, pretty good minutes. Anyway, we, we kind of got a hockey line change at the beginning of the third quarter from the Hornets. So that bumped LaMelo as well. You saw Devonte Graham, Gordon Hayward, and Biombo all go to the bench like four minutes into the third. So it's still, I, I don't, I'm not reading this as like, oh, uh, James Borrego is like unleashing LaMelo Ball and he's regularly going to play 27 to 30 minutes now. It, it looks more to me like a couple of games that went very favorably for him. That being said, it's, it's still clearly in his range of outcomes since he's done it the last two games where he plays 26 plus minutes. And that combined with what you were saying about his production being volatile, it makes him someone that I certainly can't trust, especially because his salary is moving along with his production. But on these smaller slates, it's the kind of guy that does have some tournament interest because he's not going to project well, which means he's not going to be in a lot of lineups. But if you just happen to run well and get the the, the top of his minutes range, um, he certainly is can pay off that salary. So the big thing with with guys like that, I think, is grouping so that, you know, you, you want to probably limit how much Devontae Graham plus LaMelo Ball you have, for example, because in games where, where Ball plays more minutes, you're probably not going to get as many from at least one of Graham or Rogier. Um, so certainly not someone that I'm, I'm trusting, but he is someone to keep an eye on just because the per minute production should be there. The minutes are extremely volatile. Yeah, you know, I mentioned Biombo yesterday as a tournament play just because he's a guy that I was like, oh, he can get 10 points, 10 rebounds. Now, I never expected him to actually lead the team in scoring yesterday, getting 16 points and 12 rebounds, but he's still a guy. I mean, his price has gone up a little bit. Uh, I want to say, say on DraftKings, probably about the same. Maybe he's 4,800 yesterday, 4,900 today, and over on, on Fandle, he's 5,000. I mean, but he's one of those guys that, look, he, he's not going to get you 40 point type games but you know he could very easily be a nice little tournament play to get you 25 30 points yeah i was kind of i'm i've been kind of surprised at how people are just have like written him off because you know like you said he's not the highest usage center and there's always opportunity cost to this position so i understand why he's not you know super popular every slate but He's play, He's actually playing more minutes this year as a starter than he did last year. He's typically getting 29, 30 minutes when, uh, you know, he's not competitive or when he's not in foul trouble and when the game's competitive. And he's going back to last year, he's averaged um, between 0.9 and 1 fantasy points per minute as a starter. This year, he's at 0.88 DraftKings points per minute so far. So he 
pretty much always projects as a, a good value if you need to go there. And this is a, a game where he has a tough matchup against Embiid in that Embiid obviously is a good rim protector. He's a good rebounder. It's going to be tough for Biombo to, to come by stats. But on the other hand, if he can stay out of foul trouble, he needs to be on the floor here. Like you're not going to PJ Washington, I don't think, against Joel Embiid unless you absolutely <laughs> have to. And Borrego's made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to use his backup, his, his young backup centers. Uh, you know, maybe that changes here in a matchup against Embiid and Dwight Howard, but uh, so far, you've basically seen the center options be Bismack, Biombo, and PJ Washington. Between those two, I think this big Philadelphia front court lends itself to Biombo playing as many minutes as he can. Do you like Ben Simmons more today than you do Embiid? Um, the answer to that is pretty much always no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like in terms of. I mean, obviously, you got to pay a thousand dollars more for Embiid on, on DK, but this is one of those games. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's also like I can see Philly, but. In the- What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it, of course. Right now, open a new CQ checking account and we'll give you $250 to spend however you like. Upgrade those headphones, splurge on concert tickets, or maybe upgrade to ad-free streaming. The choice is yours. And extra cash isn't all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. All with CQ. Visit CQMD.org today. That's S-E-C-U-M-D.org today. This is the NBA in 2021. Philly blowing them out, and all of a sudden, magically, Simmons and Embiid are pretty much not playing the fourth quarter. But I, I kind of like it, especially on FanDuel, I do like Simmons at 8,600. Yeah, the thing that makes the difference for me is so in the past, what you've typically had is Embiid's the better per minute guy, but more often than not, no matter how the game goes, he finds a way to play 32 or 33 minutes, whereas Simmons plays 38 or 39. And Simmons is also at more valuable positions. So relatively, he, he his value increases. The difference this year is that in competitive games, you're getting 34 to 36 minutes at least from Embiid. So he's playing a lot closer minutes-wise to Simmons, and he's the better uh, per-minute guy. He averages like one and a half points per minute. It's also a, a matchup where, you know, we just talked about Bismack Biombo needing to play as many minutes as he can because they have nothing behind him to slow Embiid, to possibly slow Embiid down. It's not like is going to do a good job of that either. Like, Embiid should just absolutely destroy this front court. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, a good matchup for Simmons too. It's just hard for me because he doesn't produce at nearly the same permanent rate as Embiid. Now I think they play similar minutes, and the price tag isn't really that different between the two in terms of everything else on the, on the 76ers here you got tobias harris 7300 uh seth curry 5600 shake milton 4900 dwight howard 3900 danny green 3600 not anything that you're going to feel too good about tobias harris is sort of always like the second option for me from or third option behind mm-hmm. Embiid and simmons yeah. just because he's at a different price point he he's always someone that fits in good as like a last guy in type guy um his numbers certainly take a hit when he plays alongside Embiid he's someone that you should always be looking to roster when Embiid sits but with Embiid in uh you know the usage goes down the rebounding goes down for Harris but he still plays big minutes and it's normally relatively difficult to find a guy you know at around 7k at at four that gives you the upside Harris does if his shot's falling so it's, it's never someone that I'm like actively targeting to get into my lineups but um Based on the minutes and his role in the offense, it is someone that I have some interest in. I also, the price tag on Danny Green for a five-game slate, he's 3600 on DraftKings. It's Danny Green. I don't, I honestly have no idea if he's even good at basketball anymore. Um, but, you know, he should be out there running around shooting threes for 28 minutes if this game's competitive. So uh, I do think 3600 is a good point-per-dollar value on Green. And, you know, he has some upside if he just runs hot from three. 
Yeah, Danny Green's just a guy. I, yeah, he's on the do not trust list because, I mean, literally, he could get you three points. Right, yeah, the, the floor is non-existent. I mean, you're talking about being on a team where you have Embiid, Simmons, Harris taking usage. Seth Curry is going to get shots up, too. Um, th- there's there's no floor for Danny Green, but he has almost minimum salary, and if he gets hot, he'll get a couple more threes. He, he obviously can pay it off. Uh, Aaron, appreciate you in the super chat. Glad our, our tools uh, over at awesome.com were able to help you out yesterday. I think we've all been there where uh, maybe we forgot to put our lineups in at some point. We got about 10 minutes to squeeze a lineup in there. So appreciate the, the super chat there. And of course, uh, if you ever do miss our shows, you're on the go. You can get the shows a part of the Awesomeo podcast network. Just go to awesomeo.com. See right there at the top of the screen, the Awesomeo podcast network. Each sport has its own podcast feed, plus there's a main feed where you can get all of the shows we have over here at awesomeo.com and drop a five-star rating and review with your Twitter handle or awesomeo username, and you can win a free week of awesomeo+. Plus. We give a free pass out every week to our favorite comments, so you got to check it out over there. It's something that uh, I do all the time when I'm kind of on the go. I want to listen to our strategy shows whatnot. Check it out, a part of the awesomeo podcast network two more games to go we got cleveland and atlanta uh man uh cleveland you know i i don't know how to even i mean obviously it's andre Drummond, but that price has skyrocketed he's now 9200 on dk and now ten thousand on fanduel yeah i mean on fanduel i think it's a little bit tougher because he's only 500 less than Embiid, and he's 1600 more than vooch so I, I could see from a roster construction standpoint how maybe he gets squeezed out on DraftKings at 9,200, I still love it. I think, you know, Vooch at 8,700 looks good. I think that Drummond and Embiid at 10K looks good. I think Drummond probably kind of looks like the best, like in the middle there. Um, he's been great ever since coming to Cleveland. The usage has gone up. The rebounding numbers are, are fantastic. Kevin Love is out again today, which um, bumps Drummond's rebound numbers as well. It's a good matchup against Atlanta. They play at a fast pace. They miss plenty of shots. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, Drummond looks phenomenal still, especially on DraftKings. Yeah, just looking at our initial ownership projections, he's actually the top center that we are, the second center we have uh, in terms of uh, ownership. Of course, the other one will be on the other side. We'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, you know, Larry Nance is, is a player that I do tend to get to with this lineup as well. Uh, played a little bit of Darius Garland the other night, Colin Sexton. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on the rest of this Cavs lineup? Nance is someone that I think is just frustrating in general right now because he's playing huge minutes, which of course is beneficial. It's a a fast paced matchup against Atlanta. He's cheap enough where he can get there just based on minutes in, you know, 35, 36 minutes. The one thing that is frustrating if you roster him is that with JaVale McGee on this team, he's not getting center minutes. And that's something that in the past has been really important for him is that he just produces at a much higher rate as you would expect when he's playing uh, center. And in the past you would get him playing backup center, but now with JaVale McGee, that's not happening. So he's he's playing all of his minutes pretty much um, alongside Drummond or McGee. Uh, he did get a little bit of run at center in the second half last game, but that was um, after McGee got in foul trouble. So uh, overall, he, he's not playing the five, but still this year he's averaged 0.94 DraftKings points per minute in that situation. And again, you're getting 35, 36 minutes. So he looks like a pretty decent value there. Um, The guards, I think both have really high ceilings here. Their prices Mm -hmm. have come up. Garland's actually been the more productive between him and Sexton so far this year. I don't quite buy into that being the case long-term. I I do think that Garland has improved, but you have a 25% usage rate for Sexton compared to 21% for Garland. Garland's assist numbers are better. Uh, So either guy um, works in tournaments, but 
I would give the edge to Colin Sexton just based on his shot volume. On the other side of the equation, we know what Atlanta is and, and number one scoring offense in the league at this point. Uh, where you're seeing uh, Clint Capella right now is the guy getting the most ownership. Yeah, so we have him obviously on the second end of a back-to-back, but he played 30 minutes last night, which he had played 20 minutes in each of his first two games coming back from injury. They had said he was going to be limited. Um, this is kind of the example I was making with Aaron Gordon, where there's going to be a game where he just plays more minutes, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you know, he n- nobody saw t- 30 minutes coming for Capella last night. Uh, I, I at least didn't. And then his salary came down. He went from 5,500 on DraftKings to 5,200. There's certainly – risk that his minutes are dialed back here I mean there's risk that we get news later that he's not even going to play but assuming he's in and that everything is is normal and he's just healthy if you're going to get even 27 minutes or 28 minutes from Capella there's no reason not to like him at 5200 he's a good point per minute guy and now he's just getting way more minutes than he's priced for yeah I mean you look at at 5200 I mean he's $100 less than DeAndre Hunter of course I mean look it all starts with Trey Young I mean he, he's a guy that, yes, it's 10200 on DK, 9700 on FanDuel. I had a little bit of him last night. I, I You know, I was a little disappointed. I thought he was going to you know do me a little better last night. But he's a guy that, I mean, you just know he's going to chuck the ball up. Yeah, without question. The upside is always there for him. But at this price point, he's one of the guy, these guys that I think in tournaments a lot for me comes down to ownership. Because I think Joel Embiid looks a little bit better. I think that factoring in the you know $1,000 in savings, Andre Drummond looks better. There's no shortage of high upside players, even on this five-game slate. If everyone's going to – if a lot of the field is going to roster Trey Young, then I'll just you know move that exposure to these other high upside guys that I like. But the flip side is because, you know, Embiid does project a little better because Drummond projects better, what you can see happen is that just, you know, a lot of the ownership funnels to them and Trey Young sort of just gets left aside, in which case – paying for his upside makes sense. You know, I think he's a little bit overpriced for his medium production, but this is still someone that can go out there and get you 60 fantasy points. So um, I'll most likely just do the opposite of whatever we're projecting the field to do in tournaments on Young. What's your thoughts about John Collins in the matchup? Um, I, I still like the price point for him, especially FanDuel, 7K. DraftKings, um, we have him at 7500 so it's come up $500 since yesterday. The biggest concern for me with Collins um, is his playing time. He's been in foul trouble in most of Atlanta's games this year, which, you know, I'm not holding against him. He can get in foul trouble, but it's not like it's predictive that it's going to happen more often this year than in the past. The thing that actually concerns me is that the one game he wasn't in foul trouble, he only played 30 minutes. That's not great because last year we had seen him play like 34 minutes in in those games. If you're only going to get 30 minutes from Collins, it's, it's still tough to trust him. You know, he's obviously going to lose usage to young. Um, and then there's a lot of other mouths to feed here. He's going to lose rebounds to Capella, the more minutes that Capella plays. So uh, I do have concerns about Collins. I think that seven K on FanDuel is a really good price though. By the way, if you do have any questions on tonight's slate, start leaving them, whether it's in our premium Slack account or right here on YouTube. Once we get past the next game, we will answer some listener questions before we get out of here for this edition of the NBA strategy show. Our final game of the night will be the Raptors and the Pelicans. Uh, I mentioned this about the Pelicans uh, the other day is when you watch them play defense, they are, they're telling you shoot three pointers. They're just not going to give up anything in the lane and they've given up the most three point attempts in the league so far this year. So you don't, you, that's something to think about when you're thinking about this Raptors offense, of course, Pascal Siakam, the highest uh, on DK at 8,300 Kyle Lowry is 8,000 on FanDuel. 
Yeah, so Siakam being back after um, being benched for disciplinary reasons last game, uh, he's at the same price point he was before. I think he's a reasonable option here. Like, I think I, I would rather find $1,100 for DeMontis Sabonis if I can, but Siakam has been playing huge minutes this year. Um, he's averaging like 38 minutes per game, and that's with him fouling out in 34 minutes in his last game. So if you can get 30, even 36, 37 minutes from him at this price point, he's got value there. Uh, Lowry and Van Vliet, both a bit more expensive because of uh, their last game without Siakam. It makes both of them just kind of secondary options where the Pelicans, you know, are a fast team. They will give up points, but you're also sort of paying a premium when Lowry and Van Vliet, neither one are the highest usage guys. And there's a lot of, you know, high usage guard options. Like it's kind of hard for me to outside of, you know, tournaments with ownership considerations, it's hard for me to prioritize Lowry or Van Vliet over like an SGA at the same price point or over Malcolm Brogdon at a cheaper price point. Same goes for OG and Anobi whose salary has come up. Um, all those guys sort of look secondary to me. Um, Siakam, probably the easiest to get to. As far as the center rotation goes, that's a spot that's been interesting this year where you had Boucher have the monster gaming at San Antonio. Then he played four minutes against Philadelphia. Last game, you can't read too much into because Siakam sat. But against the Pels, you know, you don't have a high usage center. You have Steven Adams and then you have Jackson Hayes behind him. I don't think Boucher should have any issue being on the floor with Jackson Hayes. So this is a game where I would expect him to be the backup center. I would expect that you're getting, you know, 20 minutes at least from, from Boucher. He's only 4,700. It's someone that you're not going to trust, but I could see taking a shot at in tournaments, especially where he's power forward eligible. Appreciate it. we got about 900 people watching us live right now on YouTube. Uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Let's get those likes over 150 here in the next couple of minutes. Of course, we get you ready for tonight's slate. Uh, looking at the Pelicans side of the equation, this has actually kind of become one of my favorite teams, you know, as I kind of circle through League Pass to watch here. Zion is a guy who I think could lead the league in free throw attempts this year just because literally he gets the ball in his hands and, and he's just trying to go to the lane. Uh, you mentioned about Steven Adams, 6,000 on DK. Obviously, the, the rebound potential there. Uh, you know, Brandon Ingram, maybe, you know, to me is this this is a guy who he's on that becoming a, a potential elite player. Yeah, uh, w without a doubt. And this is a spot that, between Ingram and, Will, and Zion. I'm really interested to see how ownership shakes out because they project really similarly. Ingram has been the better per minute producer so far this year at 1.25 points per minute to Zion's 1.1. If you go back to last season in games they played together, Zion had the slight edge 1.2 to 1.12. Uh, so I, I think you start to see these even the, the numbers, you know, come a little bit closer, but Ingram's also been very involved as a pastor here, which get the peripherals give him um, a little bit higher, higher floor and higher ceiling than, than, you know, just the scoring numbers alone. But you've had Zion burn us two games in a row with foul trouble and that's kept his salary in check. He's only 7,800 on DraftKings. Ingram is about the same price at 8,100. Ingram obviously burned this last game too, getting ejected in the third quarter. Uh, but both of these guys project similarly. It's you know obviously a relatively difficult matchup for both of them, but I'm interested to see how ownership numbers shake out because I think that they should be owned about the same. They have about the same projection. They have the same range of outcomes. If one of them is getting more ownership than the other, I think that in tournaments you should just be prioritizing the other one. But if everything's about the same, then I think just getting a lot of Ingram and a lot of Zion is, is where you should be at here. Yeah, just kind of looking at our initial projections, uh, Brandon Ingram is getting favorably more ownership than Zion, unless I just miss Zion. 
Yeah, if, if that's the case, then in tournaments, there's really no reason to play Ingram over Zion. Um, and that's not a knock on Ingram at all. It's just that these guys literally have the same ceiling, the same floor, the same projection, the same minutes, um, everything. You know, it, you, you don't want to discount Zion getting in foul trouble. Like you, you, when he's not in foul trouble and the game's competitive, you're still getting 36 plus minutes from Zion this year. So um, if people are going to shy away for whatever reason, then you should just be playing the lower on one. What's your thoughts on Lonzo Ball? 6,500 on FanDuel and then 6,600 on DK. He's someone that I always like getting to in tournaments because it seems like nobody else does. Um, he's another guy that, you know, he plays big minutes. Like we had him in foul trouble in the first game of the year. And it's almost like that, like formed people's opinions that he's not going to play monster minutes. Um, you're getting 34 to 36 minutes whenever the game's close and he's not in foul trouble. He, he's like LaMelo though. Like if, he's a really streaky shooter. The rebounds are going to be there. The assists are going to be there. If his shot is falling, he is going to just destroy his price point. If his shot is not falling, he's probably not going to pay off his salary. So he's one of these guys where it ends up, it's a really like kind of awkward price point because it's pretty unusual for him to like do it's, it's pretty unusual for him to actually have a game where it's just like, yeah, he was okay. He's probably either going to hurt you or he's going to really help you. So uh, guys like that at low ownership are always nice in tournaments. It is a tough matchup. He does have only point guard eligibility on DraftKings, which makes it tougher to get in the lineups as well. Um, so, you know, not a priority for me, but again, I think that um, across the industry, he's just being a little bit under projected on a, a minutes basis. And then you have Bledsoe who is still really cheap. He's been really disappointing outside of that first game. Um, the one thing that stands out to me about Bledsoe is his rebounding numbers this year have been pretty much non-existent and he's typically a, um, a pretty good rebounding guard. I think he is being hurt though, by playing with Adams, playing with Zion and playing with, with Lonzo, who is also a good rebounding guard. Um, but on the other hand, he's second on the team behind Ingram in potential assists per game. Um, at least going into their last game. I haven't double checked that today, but the, the point being that um, I think his assist numbers maybe come up a little bit and his usage probably comes up a little bit as well. He's only at 18 point. He's only at 18% so far this year. Um, he's having his minutes staggered with Lonzo typically with the second unit, he's playing with Zion and then he's playing with, you know, JJ Redick and Josh Hart and Jackson Hayes. So um, I think his usage comes up. I think that he benefits from that. He's still someone that I have some interest in at his price point, but he's made it very clear that he does not have a floor whatsoever. And the over-under number on this game is 214 and a half. And if you want to see the odds on tonight's game, all you got to do is go to oddshopper.awesomeo.com because you do not want to make a bet without shopping the best odds first. Sign up today for free to track your bets and receive alerts when those lines do move. The highest uh, over-under number on the night uh, is actually the first game inside a part of the uh, DraftKings slate. That's the Kings and the Rockets, 233.5. And, and then the other big one is the Atlanta-Cleveland game, 229.5. Not really a surprise there when you're talking about the Hawks. So if you do have any questions, uh, line those up right now, whether it's in our premium Slack account or also on YouTube. Uh, you know, I, I, wanna, I saw a question I wanted to mention here. Um... You know, because there was a lot of questions about OG Ananobi and, and, and looking at his salary here, which is 5,800 on DK and, and, and 6,500 on FanDuel. Uh, I mean, I guess on the FanDuel side of it, any interest at 6,500? Not really. I mean, you can just find so many underpriced guys on FanDuel in general. I think that OG's price came up a little bit as a result of Siakam being out. He's He plays big minutes, and that's the appeal for him. And, and you know, it is a, fast, a fast-paced New Orleans team. Like, you can get turnovers and stuff here but 
he's going to be behind Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam in, in usage, probably behind Baines too, certainly behind Boucher whenever Boucher's on the floor. Um, so you have to get there from rebounds, from basically just being on the floor for 36 minutes. Uh, he'll pick up defensive stats as well. But you're really paying a lot for someone who doesn't have a high floor because he's not a, a high usage guy. So he, when, when he's down around 5K or, or 5,500 um, on, on FanDuel, that's when I, I like to roll him out there just based on minutes. But when you get him to 6,500, you know, like if you look at the rest of the small forward position today, um, you have Larry Nance is $300 more. Uh, he's to me a better option. RJ Barrett is $600 less playing, you know, 38 minutes. And that's without even getting to, you know, the Ingram, Harris, Hayward guys. So, um, you know, even, even Bogdan Bogdanovich at 5,400 uh, playing in that, the game with the highest total on the slate without Daniel Gallinari, like all of these guys, I think look favorable on FanDuel to OG. Uh, Pete, the heat checking in wants to know, would you ever play Zion and Ingram together or is it too much negative correlation? Yeah, it's perfectly fine, especially on a smaller slate like this. Um, on bigger slates, the way I would approach it is to set rules. So if I do have them in the same lineup, I'm bringing it back and kind of just turning it into like a mini game stack, hoping it stays close. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's they're the two main usage guys on that team, and they both contribute in other areas, Ingram in assists, Zion in rebounds. It's very easy, especially, you know, if neither of them are in foul trouble and they both play 36 minutes, it's very easy for both of them to have good games at the same time. You just it's it you know decisions like that are mostly about paying attention to the the salaries like if they were both 10k i'd feel differently but they're both like 8k um and then also just how many games are on the slate because opportunity cost decreases the fewer games there are if there's 10 games and you're allocating two roster spots to zion and, and ingram um then you know again you kind of just need that game to go off probably whereas on a five game slate it's a lot easier for them just both to be great plays uh, one of the comments was about michael uh, michael carter williams being one of the best value plays at the point guard position tonight, 4,100 on DraftKings and then over on FanDuel. He, he's 3,800. I mean, but like, it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier. It, it becomes on who is who is in, who is out for the Magic. Is T. Ross in? Is he out? Is Fournier in or out? If both those guys don't play, yeah, I do like that as value play. Yeah, it, it depends a lot there because if – like the reason that Carter Williams became such a great value last game was because Terrence Ross was out and that was giving you, it was taking a 28% usage guy off the bench or, or like a 25% usage guy, 28 minutes, you know, off the bench. So it's opening those minutes up for Carter Williams. And it's also opening up more usage. Carter Williams has been a 12% usage guy going into that last game, but you take Terrence Ross off the floor and you're going to get more usage for Carter Williams. Um, if Fournier and Ross are both in, then you're just back to the same situation that you've had all season long where Michael Carter Williams is playing like 20 minutes and you know, whatever um, he, he's, you know, nothing even really worth mentioning. If Fournier is out, then minutes should still be there. And, and Carter Williams would look okay. Um, if they're both out, then, you know, again, he ends up being one of the best values. So that's really what, what we're waiting on there. Um, also keep in mind on FanDuel, like the, the price tag is definitely more appealing at 3,800 compared to 4,100, but the opportunity cost is higher too, because you have less roster flexibility. Um, you can roster Carter Williams at guard and forward spots on DraftKings, and there's just more flexibility in general. Whereas on FanDuel, you're rostering Carter Williams at a point guard spot. Um, you know, his value or his salary is cheap, but it's still costing you one of these, you know, higher upside point guard options. Uh, another question Erica just asked was about Sabonis and Embiid. Which way would you go if it's one or the other? 
I'd, I'd go to Embiid if I can. I do think it's really close. Um, Embiid, you know, about a one and a half fantasy point per minute guy. Sabonis this year, obviously, has been great. Um, he's averaging still 1.31 DraftKings points per minute. So, um, you know, they Sabonis probably plays a couple more minutes than Embiid, which is why I think it is close. He's also a little bit cheaper. But, um, you know, if I can only roster one, I would do what I can, or I would hopefully be able to get to Embiid. I mean, I kind of go back to a point you brought earlier. If he can get Biombo in foul trouble early, and now you're going into that depth that the Hornets don't want to get into, that's where MB could just pull off a monster game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's like like I said before, like anytime you're analyzing the Charlotte front court and saying like, my God, they need Bismack Biombo to play as many minutes as he can. Um, that's you know a good thing and and it, it's not like Biombo is a, a really big guy either like he he weighs 250 255 pounds so Embiid has him by like 30 pounds but Embiid also has him by like four inches so he's got the size advantage even against Biombo and then once you get beyond Biombo it's either going to be a rookie big or it's going to be PJ Washington yeah I'm just kind of looking at our ownership and just like looking at who could be a value play uh, right now, a guy that would be a, a value play at the point guard position, Dante Exum at 3,600 on DK. Yeah, um, he started last game. He replaced Chetty Osman in the starting lineup for uh, Cleveland against the Pacers. Um, assuming that he's starting again, you know, we got 28 minutes from him. Uh, it is worth noting that a couple of those minutes, about two and a half, came um in garbage time at the end, he actually wasn't in the closing lineup. You saw them close with Garland, Sexton, Nance, Drummond, and Damian Dotson. Uh, I don't necessarily think Dotson is consistently out there, but you could also see Chetty in the closing lineup. So I, I would say that you're safe getting like 24 minutes from Exum, and he has the upside mm-hmm. to give you 28 to 30. Um, at his price point in this game, I, I do think that's a good point per dollar value. Of course, coming up next is going to be the NFL Strategy Show. It'll get you ready for tomorrow's week 17 of NFL action. Of course, you got to make sure to take advantage of that deal we got going on, going on right now over at awesome.com where you get 21 days of Awesome Plus for only $20. Use the promo code 2021 at checkout. We'll leave on this question from our Slack account where they said, is it a bad idea to play 30% of Bledsoe? <laughs> Typically, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that obviously... I I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. I haven't made tournament lineups. I don't really know how it's going to shake out. Um, I, I hate like saying something like that in the morning and then I make my lineups in eight hours and I have 30% blood. So um, my, my general thought is that I'd be surprised if I have 30% blood. So. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, one more thing I'll leave on this one. It was about the, the, the center position about, you know, two, uh, two of the high price options of, of Drummond and Vooch. But then also throwing in Capella, who is obviously a value play tonight. But it's like you mentioned earlier, though. Like, is he playing 25 minutes? Is he playing 30 minutes? Because at 20 minutes, like, that's that's the big risk you got to take with Capella. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine taking my chances there because that salary is so cheap. Like, there there's risk that he doesn't get as many minutes here. But the nice thing about that salary is even if he, let's say he plays 22 minutes, it's still a cheap enough salary where you don't have to run that good for him to still outproduce it. Like you can just kind of get lucky there. And assuming he plays in this game, I think there's a good chance that he just plays his normal minutes. Um, You know, like if they think he's back to to full strength, he's just back to full strength. So, you know, hopefully we'll get news from beat writers throughout the day. But I think that the salary is just cheap enough where there's not a ton of risk as long as he does suit up. Um, The one the one thing to keep in mind is ownership. Like whenever there is uncertainty around something like that, if they're going to get to, you know, 40, 50 percent owned, then there's always some appeal to just being like, yeah, okay, hopefully he plays 20 minutes and half the field ends up with him. But 
Uh, my my inclination is just that if he suit if he starts this game, he's cheap enough where um, I'm willing to live with the the risks there. Of course, keep me locked here to awesome.com all day long. Get you ready for tonight's NBA Ash course uh, live before lock tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time with Emac and Terry. They'll get you ready for tonight's slate. But coming up next is the NFL Strategy Show. We appreciate everyone spending their Saturday morning with us. And keep it locked here at awesome.com all day long for all your DFS coverage. 